Hey everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Just Get Started podcast. I'm your host, Brian Andreco, and thanks again for being a part of this journey. Have a great guest today, Susan Harrow. I'm gonna do a quick intro, and then we're gonna jump right into the episode. Susan is a media trainer, marketing strategist, martial artist, and author of the best-selling book, Sell Yourself Without Selling Your Soul. For the past 33 years, she's run Haro Communications, a worldwide media consultancy where she's trained thousands of CEOs, entrepreneurs, and thought leaders worldwide to turn their message into money while becoming highly desirable, repeat guests who shine in the media spotlight on the top podcasts, panels, presentations, print, radio, TV, and blogs. She's prepped her clients and course participants to appear on Oprah, 60 Minutes, The Today Show, Good Morning America, Fresh Air, Marketplace, Bloomberg, MSNBC, NPR, CNN, Fox, The New York Times, Wall Street Journal, USA Today, Time Wired, Forbes, Inc., O, Entrepreneur, Parade, Vanity Fair, etc. Her course, The Zen of Fame, Your Genius Gone Viral, shows publicity seekers how to promote themselves with integrity and spirit. You may know her as the go-to girl for getting on Oprah and has the only course available anywhere that shows you how to get featured in Oprah's magazine. What you might not know about her is that she has a black belt in Aikido, which is a Japanese martial art, and was recruited to be in the CIA. Excited to get into all of that. Susan, welcome yeah. to the <laughs> podcast. Me too. Thank you. And I didn't realize how long all of the interviews. Well, you know, what's, <laughs> what's funny is when you, when you hear that, you've been doing this a long time. When you hear kind of that kind of read back to you, I, I didn't want to start here, but I was like, all right, let's start here. I'm just thinking about it. Like, what what is that? as you look back the course of your career and kind of, you know, kind of getting started at the beginning, starting your business all those years back, like, what do you think about? What goes through your mind as you reflect? I think about how many different stages I've gone through and how much stuff I've tried that hasn't worked <laughs> and that we're still trying things. Yeah. And that sometimes things just like that you never know what's going to work exactly and that you have to be open to that kind of experimentation. I mean, I love the idea of beginner's mind and to have that kind of beginner's mind everywhere in your business, but also in your life that we sometimes expect things and then things, you know, like some of the greatest scientific experiments and the greatest things that people discover are those happy accidents. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I love that, that, that beginner, you know, something I've been trying the last several years, being that beginner learner again and trying to new things and figuring out. And I think, to your point, I think we kind of stumble on new things we like and we want to engage with just by doing that. So do you have any fun, any, like, I'm kind of curious, maybe like a getting started moment, anything where you've kind of thought outside the box, tried something different and kind of, you know, had that beginner mindset? Well, I, I really was trying to grow my business. The um, When I'm media training people, a lot of it via Zoom, right? Even before, before it was Skype, you right, know, right. a lot of things weren't in person. And I really wanted to do something that was more embodied. I really wanted to understand the body. I mean, I'm an athlete. I was the teaching tennis pro, you know, captain of my volleyball team. I've always been like super active, but I found that that media training was really heady. And yet it's such a body and a presence kind of thing. And that's when I started exploring, um, there was a leadership course with Richard Strozzi Heckler, which was completely body-based. There's no PowerPoint. It was like all leadership and what you do in these certain scenarios that showed what kind of a leader you were. And I actually asked him to be, okay, so here's the way it went. Like a woman, we were at like a girl's retreat. A woman mentioned um, 
his name and that she had been a life-changing experience. And I just knew I wanted to connect with him. I thought, how can I? So I went and popped up on their site. They were giving a free talk. I jumped on the talk. He was on the talk. I'm like, I need to connect with him. I told him that I would interview him for Huffington Post, but I had not written a column for Huffington Post. I was not a columnist. And then he said, yes. And then I thought, I got to get a column in Huffington Post. And so I I, I connected with people, said, how do I do that? And I went and interviewed him for having to post. And I just had the inspiration. He needs to be my mentor. So I asked him, I said, I don't know what this is going to look like, but I want you to be my mentor. Maybe we can do a trade. And he's like, well, what does it look like? I'm like, I don't know. I said, we just need to go. You either are in or you're out. And then I started working with him, took the course and started incorporating a lot more body-based things into the media training because when you're practicing for the media, it is a really physical thing to get into mental and muscle memory. And so after I took that course too, I started training in Aikido, Japanese martial arts, where I really was like the worst kid in the room. So I went from being like a, a respected, sort of a respected athlete to being like the biggest klutz, stepping on people's feet. And then also, I mean, I was so bad that, you know, what we would do was we bow to each other on either side of the person that we're going to train to. And people would literally get up and run away from me. So they wouldn't have to train with me for the whole session. And I was just like, so mortified that I was this bad, but I really loved it so much because it's really about um, turning your lead into gold and polishing your spirit that I went back day after day, even with the torture of being like the last kid chosen and being rejected like every right. single day. Yeah. And what, so, well, yeah. I was, I was going to say, what like what type that martial arts, like how does it compare or contrast to other martial arts just so we can kind of get an idea? Because I haven't heard of that yeah. before, so I, I don't know what it's intended. Oh, so yeah. So there isn't any direct like punching or kicking. What we do is um, it's very circular. So it's actually about taking... Um, an opponent's energy and going with it and then slightly mm -hmm. redirecting it to either pin them or to throw them. So if someone was punching in the face, for example, we would redirect the, let's see if I can do this. We would, if it's coming toward you, we're actually redirecting uh, it away okay. and using the energy going forward to the momentum to throw that person. So using their own energy quote against them, but the philosophy is to try to use be in sync with someone and be in sync with the universal mind and then go with the person and then slightly redirect them to where they think they want to go and where you want them to go. Now, did, so it's very gentle okay. and yet it's very powerful. Yeah. And and did you, did you find or want to do that? I guess from a, you talk about like body awareness, is that more from a, just a personal life standpoint or is that just to kind of balance your business where things getting out of whack and you felt like, gosh, I need something like, what was the, what was the genesis of like really leaning into that? The genesis is that our body shows everything, whether we want it or not. And, and it's horrible on the Aikido floor that you can see exactly who a person is, okay. where they are afraid of and everything. And I thought that was great for my media training. Mm to be able to incorporate those things because it's the same thing when we're put under pressure is when we're put under pressure is we show who we really are under pressure. It's not that we're not that person in real life, but putting under pressure, you know, you, you then need to be able to respond in a second in, and be able to do that. And that's what happens when we do media. Okay. 
okay. when we're on TV or we're in a situation where we have to give a presentation to a thousand people or or something, anything that's going to um, put us out of our comfort zone, right? Like way out of our comfort zone. And I wanted to have those kind of body-based things like centering, being strong, not being able to be pushed over as a metaphor mm. for an, an actual practice in media. Yeah. And so I started using a lot of the Aikido techniques in training people and how to manage a media interview. Wow. Yeah, like well, even like when you mentioned redirecting energy, you can kind of that that metaphor of like, I'm sure when someone gets a curveball type question or something, being able to kind of navigate and, and spin it a little bit into your favor, if you will. I don't know. That's exactly right. So a transition phrase like, I don't know about that. And what I do know is can really save your skin when somebody asks you a question you don't want to answer. That's a gentle redirect. That's not a stop sign. Like I'm not going to answer that question or no comment because you never want to say that. So you want to be able to navigate no matter what anyone asks you or now, no matter what kind of personality they have to be able to get your points out in your message for your perfect client or your perfect customer so you really reach the audience that you want and that takes quite a lot of practice and it takes role play it takes doing it in actuality and that's why in media training we actually go through the interviews and see how you're going to respond and then refine that i i, I want to get into this more because I'm, I'm assuming a lot of folks listening in that do presentations that are on podcasts there's a lot of things they can learn i'm just again my curiosity always peaks as i get on these things like You've been doing this for a long time. It seems like you're passionate about this. Like, when did you start? Like, what intrigued you about the the media, publicity, like getting out there? Like, is there is there some catalyst moment in your life that got you on that path? Or I, I'm not sure if it was a catalyst moment. I'd been in high tech sales and in kind of a male industry, and I sold like automated building controls for hundreds of thousands of dollars to like people in the Silicon Valley. And so I was always having to navigate not, not just a man's world, but like in that world, there were no women at all. And to kind of navigate like the whole arena of that. And I was thinking, so I, I, you know, I was used to talking to people on the phone and meeting people that I didn't know. So fairly comfortable in those kind of uncomfortable situations. And I thought it would be, and I was a major in like Shakespeare and writing and journalism, you oh. know, those sorts of things. And I thought, well, it would be um, um, a nice marriage of those two skills, sales and communication to be in PR. And there was this gal in one of my writing classes, I was taking writing, extra writing at um, Berkeley. I think it was nonfiction class. And she worked for Bill Graham Presents and um, Title IX Sports and what other one? Um, the North Face. And I said, hey, can I trail you and see what you do. So I just called, you know, I just asked her, can I come and watch what you do? And so I went over to her house and she started showing me what was involved in PR. And then she said, do you want to do it? And I'm like, well, can I watch and listen to you first? You know, and she just jumped on the, this was before the internet. So we were, it was all phone call based. So yeah. she jumped on the, on a call and she was booking, you know, clients. And so she got on the phone and then she said, now your turn. And so I jumped on the phone and just started doing it. And then she didn't really love to do like um, interviews with the client. So one of my first clients was Missy Park of Title IX Sports. She was one person in a warehouse at that time. And now she's the 
top, I think she's the second top retailer of women's athletic wear in the United States, right? And so I interviewed her, got her in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, you know, just the whole, and I really loved it. I loved the client interface. And then I loved um, doing the booking. And then she taught me how to do the writing. So I did that. And then the evolution of that was, you know, I got all these great, I was working for publishers, I was working for artists and authors and entrepreneurs, that was my niche. And I would get them booked in all of these great venues, Larry King Live, Oprah, The New York Times, you know, Forbes, all these things. And sometimes what would happen was a great big nothing. And that's when I started looking at, well, what are, who are they? And what are they saying? And breaking that down, and then starting to work with them, even as a publicist, to say, um, well, this isn't getting you business. This is not getting you results. It's because of what you were saying or what was quoted. Yeah. And so I started working with them. So when they got the publicity, when I booked them or when someone else booked them, that it had a real effect on their business and their brand. Yeah. It's kind of like the analogy I think about with like launching books. It's all the lead up to launching the book is great. But if you have no strategy on the actual book launch and the 60, 90, whatever days following, yeah. it could be a total flop. No, it's it, the promotion. Sadly, the promotion of the book is like 80% of the work. Yeah. Writing the book right. is easy. Right. Right. I hate to say that, but that is the real truth. Yeah. And then the promotion and the planning, which should happen at least six months ahead of time, hopefully longer, you know, to actually start to plan that out. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So... I'm I'm kind of curious. I want to weave this in, but like, what have you? So you've been again doing this for thirty you know plus years. I know you've kind of transitioned a little bit right from the the publicist side to the media training and stuff. But what have you seen is and you can take it either way. What's similar nowadays than it was thirty years ago, or what's different? Or you could take one from each bucket. But I'm just kind of curious how the landscape has changed, but how maybe some things have stayed the same and it's tried and true. What stayed the same is a great story that has an emotional core that really touches the hearts of people. And the and any kind of medium that you look at, people are telling these stories, whether it's a heartbreaking story or whether it's a truthful story. And sometimes it's, you know, vulgar vulnerability that that has really changed. You know, I mean, Oprah really changed the landscape of people to be able to open up. But I think it's gone in another direction where we really have, you know, faux facts, vulgar vulnerability, and, you know, the kind of intensity of the compare and despair that we see on social media. So what we're always looking for and what journalists and hosts and producers are always looking for is the original. How are you different? Not copying someone else. So that's one thing that stayed the same. We want you to be different. We want you to be the you of the best you of yous and tell that great story. What has changed is the length of the story and how it gets told and on what mediums. So for to grow your business organically with traditional PR is still very viable combined with the kind of speed and complexity and fast burst of social media. So for example, on, you know, TikTok, you know, you can get an, an immediate burst or if an influencer, the rise of the influencer too is really different. So an influencer can bring your business book, product, service, or cause to thousands or millions of people instantly. And that's like the quick, fast, 
you know, disappearing act that can happen super fast, the longevity of doing a TV show or a podcast, for example, those are the kinds of things that are going to bring you great SEO that are going to be long lasting that you can then incorporate into your social media, but that give you the kind of earned media and credibility. So the difference between social media is you're vetted by your peers and influencers and traditional media is you're vetted by veterans of the, you know, of the industry that actually have, even though it's lessened standards by which they need to, that you need to pass through. And there, so there's that gauntlet of media for traditional and there's the peer review for social media. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I, and I can even think about, you know, I grew, growing up, like I watched, you know, I, one of my fun stories, you know, with my grandmother growing up was like watching Oprah at her house like every afternoon, uh, definitely during summer breaks, which is always fun. So I enjoyed that because because I, I find like Oprah and maybe Larry King, they were the longer form, if you will. Yes. Most of the time it was you have your three minute segment on the local news type thing. Now, we still have that today, but I would say it trends more. And tell me if you agree with this, but obviously with the massive amount of podcasts and longer form, you probably have to help folks speak a little bit more eloquently for a longer period of time versus 30 years ago where it was like, hey, we can hit for a couple minutes and then you're off the air. Would you agree with that? It's like people are doing more podcasts, more longer form now than ever. Yeah. And what I tell my clients is it doesn't mean that you can talk for lots longer periods of time. You just want to have more stories right. and more examples, not necessarily longer ones. So like one of my clients who I was prepping for Oprah and Larry King Live, he was on stage and talking for 45 minutes and we needed to take that same story and turn it into 45 seconds. Mm. And then, and he would be on radio shows and um, podcasts too. And I said, you still can't tell a 10 minute story. Yes. You know, you, you can tell more, but they still need to be in, you know, in podcasts, you have a leeway of maybe two minutes yeah. for a, sometimes a story, right? Yeah. And you can tell those stories, but they still need to be uh, complete stories. Yeah. yeah, we could, I, I, this guy, I'm going to go down this rabbit hole if I could for a minute, because actually, maybe that, <laughs> sure. well, that's one of the many notes here about, because, because I'm, you know, want to help folks, obviously, that are going to be on these things. Like, what have you found? So like taking a 45 minute story, you know, to 45 seconds, right? What are some of the maybe key elements you would share with folks that are like thinking about, okay, how do I, how do I forget 45 minutes, 45 seconds? How do I develop a story? Because some folks, like I have a lot of folks that are on this podcast, been doing it long enough where it's like, it's their first time ever doing a podcast, or maybe they've only yeah. done a couple and, or they're just starting out with their business and they don't really know how to navigate a story of their life or story of this certain area. Is there any kind of key components you would share? Yeah, there, there are. And, and this is whether it's my clients or people who are in the Zen of fame, your genius gone viral course, which is based on my book, sell yourself without selling your soul. We start with three main questions that set the foundation for all of your messaging. Number one is what's your deepest intention? How do you want to serve? And that can be your big vision in the world, but it can be the vision for yourself or your community. Number two is what do you want for yourself? And that's professionally, personally, physically, financially, spiritually, because PR can open up the whole world to you. So we really look at everything. We don't just look at your business because we look at like, what else do you want? Like, who else do you want to meet? Um, who do you want to connect with? And then the last thing is, what do you want your audience to do? What action do you want them to take? Yes, we want people to visit our website or go into our brick and mortar store or change a perception or give money to a charity, whatever that is. That has to be super clear and integrated into the message. 
that sets the foundation then for what you want to sell and sell and your, your offer is and what kind of stories you're going to choose and what kind of examples that you want. So what should you have? The first thing that you need is your signature story, which is what you asked me, why do you do what you do? How did you get started? Right. And am I allowed to to pop in? Like if people can get a a free my free guide, you you throw in anything, don't matter. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So so what 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 it is is it's um it's five templates because so it's fill in the blank. So it's done for you. You can do this in five minutes. So you have five different examples of what a typical signature story is that all of you need to be on any podcast or any media or any speaking engagement that you can do in five minutes. And it's prsecrets.com forward slash sig pod, S-I-G-P-O-D, just like signature story podcast. So prsecrets.com forward slash sig pod. And then, um, so you absolutely must have that as number one. The other thing that we want are success stories, of your clients or your customers that what's the experience that you're going to give someone and the third thing may be advice like what is what do you have that other people don't know where you can fill a gap or you can share something that people don't know so you would want to have advice so you want to be able to educate entertain something that's super lively you know that's going to actually um, enrich someone's life in some way. So any kind of story that you tell, and you also want like personal stories that show who you are and what you stand for, yeah. like what's important to you, your, your value. So we're really looking at that more than ever. And you really want a mix of those kinds of things on a podcast. So it doesn't matter what the podcast, host, I, I'm not sure you want me to say this, Brian, but it doesn't it matter what the podcast host says or any host says you want to be able to transition to those stories and and the messaging that you want while being gracious and um and and um respectful yeah. of the the host. Well, I think it goes back, you know, I do a lot of from a sales background that I have and in, in you know, coaching and stuff like that. I I look at this in a similar light where you might work with two totally different clients, but they might have similar paths. You might tell similar stories, but you weave in something to make it personal to them. Similar with podcasts. And again, talking with a lot of folks that have been on podcasts, I say the same thing. It's like, do a little research in the podcast, understand the, the premise of it. You could share the same stories. You just do it in a way that's unique to that podcast or is kind of with that audience that you might have. So it might be a very similar story. To your point, you kind of just weave in and out to navigate the conversation, I think is where yeah. you're getting at. It is where I get at. And, and and just a caution to that, like when you start to do a lot of podcasts, you can't tell the exact same stories on every single podcast, because right. then when we go and listen to your podcast, you actually lose credibility yeah. versus gain it. I went, was recently looking at a very well-known woman's podcast because I wanted to, you know, media appearances, because I wanted to see if I wanted to be on some of those shows. And the topic on every single one was the same. Mm. And I said, well, then I'm not going to listen to those. I'm only going to listen to one of yeah. them because the topic is the same on every single one. So you do need to have a variety and you need to think about like, what's going on in the culture today? What new experience have I had today? Or a new experience that I've read about or something that happened in the grocery store that you can then freshen up yeah. any of those kind of, of, of stories, right? Yeah, that's a good that's a good point. Yeah, I think being able to keep or I guess reiterating it, but in a different way, kind of repurpose it. But as your point, as you learn new things, you obviously you want to start telling some you know, 
some newer, better stories. And I, I guess that goes to my, uh, maybe on a deeper thought, do you prefer, I guess I have my take on this. I'm curious if you agree or disagree. Do you <laughs> prefer, do you, do you prefer yeah. people go very deep and like, because I find, I find some folks go very surface level, almost like they're ashamed of their story or like they don't want to share all the details. When I find like, if you're very raw and real, that the audience actually likes that. They want to hear the details. Do, do you, so what, what camp are you in? The very detailed, tell the story that way or kind of skim over some stuff and you know hit the high notes? I love this question <laughs> and I am a deep dive into the story, but not, it's, it's everyone's personal choice where your boundaries are and how much you want to share. Where I think the crossover line is, is when you're, taking people deep into doldrums or you're trying to one up a horrible story. Mm. That's like, and that's what I've found a lot of times in my stories, deeper and darker and dirtier than yours. That is not a successful story. A successful story tells about your hardships and how you navigated it. You don't necessarily have to have triumphed. I mean, we don't need rags to riches. I went from homeless to, to what did I see another TV show homeless to Harvard. And oh, I'm like, <laughs> I mean, like, it's a great headline, but it makes me barf Yeah, because it's, it's so pat and we've heard so much of that. And while that's attracting, I really want your story to be original and to have um, the intention of telling the story is to share a deep truth about you, but also to, and to share how you've navigated it, not necessarily having the solution, but just to connect human to human. And I yeah. think that is the difference between the intention of the story and to never leave people in that deep, dark place, to move them to that place of light, even if it's just a sliver. Yeah. And I, I agree with that. I, I mean, I like that approach there to, you know, think about it in that regard. I mean, because the, the reality is it's, yeah, it's not about one-upping. It's about just sharing kind of a truthful story where hopefully it can be relatable. Someone's not going to have the same life experience, right? Because everyone has totally yeah. different, but if they, if it's almost like a metaphor, you know, to, we were talking about earlier, like if it's a metaphor that they could, or analogy, however you want to look at it, right, that they could kind of play on yeah. um, to, to take it. In their yeah. Way. Yeah. I mean, I have, this is the only time in my entire career where I've had to ask a client to actually tell me more about a story. I have a new client who's a psychiatrist for adolescents and she believes, I mean, one of the, her thought leadership is she really believes that she's not trying to make kids happy. She's trying to make them functional and they should be able to become functional in the areas of family, friends, sports, um, um, and studying in school in a couple of months. So not to keep them in, a, a, in and under, keep coming back to her. She wants to have them become functional and put them out into the world. And yet the model, the typical model is to, you know, see somebody for years and reiterate and groove in that, those horrible stories, Right. Um, and she was the only person that I ever had to ask to elaborate on her stories, her success stories, because hers were already so succinct, where she would say, you know, a kid came to me and he was depressed and um, wasn't doing his studies and wasn't, you know, meeting any friends and had the families were fighting at the dinner table. And within two months after putting him on a low dose of I forgot what it was Prozac or something. He, um, you know, he was meeting regularly with his friends and um, 
in regular sports and getting getting A's again. And I'm like, okay, well, we need a few more details yeah. in there to make the story come alive. So we're always looking for like, what are the details that are going to make this come alive? Like what makes him unique and not just some adolescent boy? Like we can have the generic story, right? But then we want the story that makes it, that just makes it a little more poppy and makes it a little bit more, um, you know, devastating. Like he had lost his best friend or something like that, right? Like he had he had been estranged with his best friend and they just couldn't connect anymore because he was always so depressed. Something like that to make the story more robust. Yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like that hero's journey. Like they have to have a, they have to have some kind of you know challenge in there. There's got to be an arc. Yeah, an yeah, arc there's got to be story, an yeah. arc to it, and not just the generic flatline of a story. So yeah, I like to get I like to work with my clients to tell the the longest story first, and then to start shaving it right. down because sometimes there's like three stories in one, yeah. and we're like, this could be here are your three stories, and let's 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 uh, map out which each one would be instead of having this be such a long one story with yeah. all of these like different spokes. Well, what about from a, from a, like a psychological side of things? Because a lot of folks, again, that haven't put their voice out into the world, they're just nervous to even share their opinion. I mean, gosh, we know where the world is today. Like sometimes yeah. sharing your opinion is like, you know, you, you get ostracized from it, but so how can, how do you coach folks on, you know, psychologically getting in the right headspace to be able to have these conversations, to share their voice on social media? etc. Yeah, um, I've been working with a lot of people, men and women on the imposter syndrome and so in terms of self doubt and lack of confidence. And, and what happens is like, I think we all have self doubt and lack of confidence at some point. And when we're moving to the next level, that is when it rears its head. So there's a real difference between comparing and despairing in imposter syndrome and not thinking we're good enough or um, thinking we don't belong in the room than it is then having natural self-doubt of, well, I've never done this before. So part of it is just play. It's what we do in role play in a media training. It's like, let's sh share your opinions and let's start shaping them. What is going to, if is there something that you're saying that's going to rile people up and piss people off? Is that a good thing? And can we shape a conversation around it? And really choosing that very intentionally, not just blurting things out there, but like talking about what are the pros and cons of putting out your opinion in such a way that it could rile things and stir things up on both sides. And when you do, how do you handle that? Could, I, could you ignore it? You know, um, are you going to get canceled? You know, those are all the kinds of things that we need to consider really super carefully right now in this in this society. But I think when you start to like I even Brian, I just took something out of my newsletter. Um, I, there's a song that I really liked that I'd heard on the radio. I'm not going to say what it is, but I heard it first on the radio. And then I watched the video and the video was explicit. And I, I first I wrote into my newsletter like I just heard this on the radio and if you want to watch this video it is explicit blah blah and then I thought I don't know I love that song but there's plenty of other songs that I love um, is this gonna is this really what I what is important to me now to put out there is it just a song that I love that I want to share or does it have meaning can I choose something else that has um, meaning that may not um, that, that may not just start a conversation that I didn't want to have, right. you know what I mean? Because it's like, why is it not important to me if somebody else is offended by it? Like it doesn't have anything to do with me or my brand. So I chose 
another song where it's by an artist um, and I can tell you which song it is because this is Kate Bush and I've been listening to Kate Bush since college and her um, her song is the theme song for um, what's the name of that science fiction show some science fiction show I can't remember what it is now um, but it's the theme song so I tied that together to what was meaningful to me. Like you can make a comeback. I've been listening to her since college 40 years ago and she's just had another hit and reinvented herself um, with this new medium, which is a theme song for TV. Okay. So yeah. it tied into something that's meaningful that I want to say to you that you can reinvent yourself at any time, no matter what age you are, no matter who you are. Well, you make a good point because you do have to, at some point as you put yourself out there, it's like, what's the value to like using that song as the example? It's like, is this really going to move the needle? And, and is it going to move in the right direction? Is it even relevant? And if I don't put it out, am I going to miss out on something? And if it's like, yeah, it's not really going to do much. Well, you're, it's again, being safer is not always a bad thing. But at the same time, to what you mentioned earlier, I think sometimes you do have to have a hard line on some things because, you know, I think that's how you start building folks that are kind of in a, in a similar thinking, I guess, or maybe to help people think differently. And being do... intentional. Yeah. That's really the bottom line is being intentional about it. It's not just being, it's not just blurting. Right. You can't blurt anymore in this culture. You used to be able to blurt, but blurt can mean cancel now. Yeah. So it's, it's, and even if it's taken out of context, right. And there's another great show on TV that we're watching called um, Alaskan Daily. And it's about, you know, a New York TV reporter who reported on a story, who used a whistleblower, and then the story got, um, you know, was, couldn't be corroborated or whatever, and she got fired. Mm. And she went to go to Alaska, you know, when she was a top reporter in New York, right? And so even though she had all of her facts down, and that can happen, right? Because this is the kind of culture that we're living in. So I think we have to be much more deeply intentional and look at our whole big picture, our brand, what we stand for, um, what we want to put out there, how we want to teach our children, how we want to live in this world, um, all of those things before we start putting out things in a more public way. So I think it's a much bigger picture than just, you know, posting something cute on social media and hope that people are going to like it. Yeah. And, and to, I guess to that point, what are maybe in, in the last couple of questions here, um, this is, this is, I probably, we probably talked for five hours on this type of stuff, just kind of going deep, but when someone's trying to break through the noise, because, you know, there's a lot of crowded space out there. Is there any encouragement, anything, again, you found is helpful, or at least maybe some guideposts to think about if they are trying to kind of get their voice out there in the world and are having a hard time at it? Well, the first thing to think about is um, how does your topic or whatever you have to say, how does it connect with what's going on in the culture today. Your topic, is it a trend? Can you buck a trend? Can you jump on a trend? Can you create a trend? Do you have a difference of opinion about something that you think is important? Like my psychiatrist client, right? Um, you know, and I've got another client who's into diversity and inclusion. And she is really talking also about, you know, how does a millennial uh, woman of color manage people of all different ethnicities and ages in today where things are so contentious, right? So that's really an interesting topic. So I think we really need to look at like, where does whatever your knowledge and your skill base converge with what's going on in the culture today? And then do you have a difference of opinion? Where can you take a stand on, on a moral or 
or a cultural issue that's of importance to you. That, um, And then to really be able to manage whatever input that that is going to come back to you if it is something that's controversial. But to think about, I mean, really there's one line, which is um, what does my audience need to know now and how can I help? So instead of thinking about what's working for someone else or copying someone else, really thinking about um, what can I do differently that hasn't been done out there? What can I say? What kind of voice that hasn't been heard or what aspect of something like there's not anything new. It might be just a tiny part of a conversation that that you have a spark of interest. So, so it doesn't have to be, what I'm saying is it doesn't have to be some big momentous thing. It can be a tiny thing and start, you know, start there. Like I remember hearing about a guy who, um, you know, started like a wristband for like every time you said like gossiped about somebody and that you had to start over for 30 days if you said something yeah. about somebody um, and how long it took somebody to get through 30 days because they would do it. And it started this whole movement. And I thought that was really interesting. And it's about, you know, because I'm so passionate about speaking as you are to right. words, like our words, sh sh you know, are the ambassadors of our intentions, right? Yeah. And they're the ambassadors of our spirit. So starting with words and what comes out of your mouth and does it harm or, or hurt or help, you know, and, and really start there. Well, and I think to that, that point, the whole like putting your take on it, everyone has their, their own unique experience. Mm -hmm. So take something that's relevant and then put your nice spin on it and then share that out to the world. And I, I think going back to you, you kind of said it is, it's how do you help people? I think, I mean, if you're just like throwing out stuff about you, 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 and it's all about promoting, no one wants to hear it. It's, it's how can the, the reader, the, the person taking in, how do you help that person? And if you're sharing yeah. insightful um, information, that ultimately helps you break through because they're gonna be like, hey, this person maybe knows something, or again, they're pushing me a little bit further than I've been pushed. That's something I wanna be around more. And that's where I think you get that, you know, that breakthrough, right? And I think a podcast are a wonderful place to start just getting back to like, what do you do when you want to be on a podcast? Well, um, you, you listen to the podcast, you, um, you, you really hear what kind of questions the host asked. You look to see how, who the host has had on the podcast and how they've framed that. So you can see like, where do I fill a gap that they haven't talked about? Or is there something similar that they haven't covered? And then when you pitch that to really have a couple of ideas that you want to integrate into the conversation, no matter what the host says or does, right? But to be able to add value to that conversation that only that really only you can, that you that you haven't heard before on that show or or other shows, and really be thinking about how you're singular and and the stories that you have that can really, connect with the audience of that particular podcast, for example. Yeah. Well, let me, let me ask this here. And again, we've already shared some great insight, but if someone's getting started, if they want to get out there and they're like, all right, I'm going to go on my first podcast and do whatever. Is there a piece of advice or encouragement that you would share with them to help them get started? Anything to kind of kick them in the pants when they're going on that first podcast or anything? I know you've shared some stuff already, but you could pick one of those or maybe maybe a roundabout or or, or kind of a, another approach, whatever you want. 
Yeah. So obviously don't start with the biggest podcast. <laughs> start with a What's funny, you know, it's podcast. funny you say that. I don't mean to interrupt. I was just listening to, um, I don't remember, I don't, I don't remember her name off the top of my head, but any, Lisa, maybe, you know, maybe I'm wrong on that. But uh, she was just on Joe Rogan. She's a beekeeper. It's her first podcast she's ever done. Oh my God. She's done great. I've listened to half of it already. So I get her kudos. She's shared some great insight already, but it's like, it's like her first time. I'm like, oh, way to go to the top. To, to, to right, start right, so, right. Anyway, well, sorry. Most of the time, yeah. yeah it's, you go to Joe Rogan first, um, but start on some of the smaller podcasts. So look in the area of your, um, you know, whether your health and wellness or business or whatever, and start on some ones that don't maybe have as many, start on somebody who's maybe a little more of a beginner, even that doesn't have like 300 episodes, because they may be more eager to have guests. Um, you know, when I was a publicist, when I started as a publicist, when I would pitch my clients, I never started at the top, I started at the radio stations that had the least amount of wattage. So I could uh, you know, that that went to the least amount of people so I could practice my pitch and see what landed mm, yeah. and then see what kind of feedback I got. If it wasn't taking, I just kept changing it and tweaking it until I started getting yeses. And then I would move up. And I think the same thing is on a podcast. So plan out, write out your bio, um, plan out your points, um, pitch something that is that they that you know will resonate with that audience. And then um, practice your points out loud and get, you know, get, I mean, and, and during media training, we do the role play where you can get, you get really get the feel of what it feels like. And I actually imitate, you know, if it's a particular host yeah. or I play that host, so you can get the feel of what it really is like. So when you want, when, once you've listened to that podcast, have a friend play the person to ask the questions, record it, listen to yourself and start to give yourself feedback. What, what did I do well? What do I want to change? Where, what, what threw me off? And start to do that before you ever approach the podcast. So you have a sense of your own voice and what works. And get up on that video camera because everybody's videoing now. Yeah. Right. To make sure that you don't have any weird quirks or something that comes out under pressure that you didn't recognize you know, that would happen um, because you don't want that recorded on video. So that kind of practice and that kind of play is really great. And then ask the person who's your friend, like, what did you remember? What stood out to you? So then you can start to hear back what lands with people. Because we don't know, like I learned so much when I was a publicist, but because the, the, um, the media people would repackage some of what I had and I would watch the way they would package the show or package the material. And then I would reuse that. I'm like, Ooh, that was better than what I came up with. I'm going to reuse that. And so keep your, you know, listen to the, like Brian's asking all these great questions. Like, are these great questions that you can use to refashion for your own self to post when you have to fill out those forms in the back end, can you use some of those formats to ask those kind of questions that are going to lead you into the kind of answers that you want to give? Yeah, that's a really good, well, a lot of good points there on the podcast stuff. And I do like your point on starting small. Like sometimes, you know, you'll talk to folks like, oh yeah, I try to get on a few podcasts and, you know, I don't know, maybe don't people want me. I'm like, well, you, you sent out three emails, like, you know, like start small. I like that build up. And, that, and then I think that that is too, it doesn't matter what, at least I've learned this, I guess, in the time doing this, it really doesn't matter this podcast you're on because there's so many out there. No one necessarily knows the size or whatever. So if you're like, if you email someone in the future and like, hey, I've been on these six podcasts here, listen to this one if you want. 
would love to be on yours. Now you've built credibility, right? So you've kind of went through the reps a little bit to uh, to get on those some of those bigger ones in the future. Yeah, and you just said something too. So the podcast hosts, you give you give the link to your podcast so they can they can vet you or mm-hmm. they do a pre-interview. Right. You know, a lot of people do the pre-interviews. I mean, most most do. You and I, we we work through a referral. Yeah. Absolutely. So we didn't yeah. do we didn't do a pre so I was pre-vetted. Yeah. So you didn't have to do you do pre-interviews regularly so, anyway? Now, you know what's interesting? I I used to. I actually don't do them much anymore. And here's why. Most of the I get a lot of um I get a lot of guests off referrals, which is great now. I never and it used to have that. But then secondly, I don't know what it is, and maybe it's just how I am as a person. I kind of like like if you and I met up at a coffee shop and we never met, like we would probably have a similar conversation, you know, just like it flows. Um, I find that like, if I know too much about someone, sometimes digging in deeper, you know, it's almost like I, I, in my head, I get like, Oh, I already knew that I, it really has to pull me back and make sure. Cause the, the audience listening, maybe not know that. So when I haven't really met someone I've researched online, it allows me to ask what I'll call like a naive question. But normally that's what other people are thinking too, because they've never, you know, maybe uh, heard the guest before speak. So anyways, that's my approach. Um, I'm not, I don't know if it's the best way or not, but it's, it's what's worked for me though. At least so you recently. like the spontaneity and the I initial, like the I energy like of that, because yes. it's a different energy when you've had the rehearsed things and you go, Oh, I need to ask them that question again. And then we've already gone through it. Right. Exactly. It I don't is, know. Yeah. I don't know why it is. Time. Well, it's, yeah. well, it's even like I've had repeat guests, like, you know, people have been on like two times or, or I don't know if I've ever had three, now that I think about it. But anyways, is I find that other, that second conversation is a little bit more intimate, but we generally go in a different direction than what would have been normally talked about in that maybe like a first conversation. So I don't think there's a right or wrong way. A lot of that time, listen, a lot of it too is people have a lot going on. And what I've noticed is doing a 15 or 30 minute pre-call, that's a lot of time people are investing um, as well. So as the host, I wanna do my research. I wanna get the things I wanna ask out and if I've already vetted the person generally through a referral or not, uh, I feel confident in saying, hey, come on the podcast. Like, I guess I've done it enough where I kind of, you, know, you can pick up things like, hey, I think they'd be a really good guest. Or you hear them online, they're like, all right, that person knows how to tell stories. They're, re- they're really eloquent with, with, they have something great to say. Let's bring them on. So anyways, that's how I do it, at least. So, yeah. yeah. So, you know, as you can hear, there's like so many different ways because I've definitely had both and and some I've had some people you know vet me for half an hour an hour yeah right like you know so before there's even a podcast and and so for like national tv for sure putting those up onto your website or if you have a highlight reel Mm -hmm. that's really great because the media at that level really does need to vet you they need to know that you can go back and forth super quickly in um you know in a in a national tv show you have two or four minutes the, of interplay back and forth and they need to know that you can handle yourself in that situation yeah that's a great point and that's something too i mean and maybe as a lasting thought like i didn't do this initially but like as i've gotten on some other podcasts like people have said like brian why don't you set up like a media page on your site just to have something which i have now where you can go and like oh here's all the different podcasts brian's been on or conversations he had because i think again it's like what's that central source to at least show people that you know someone's maybe you know had some exposure or when you know whatever it is. So I think that's helpful, like where people find that. Because if not, you can't assume people are going to do their research or find that. Like you're saying, these national outlets, you have to kind of be the one that says, "Hey, here I am." 
Um, That's exactly right. And, and, and it shortens the vetting process too. Yeah. So, in, and if you have that at the ready, then you're more likely to get chosen. And the same thing for podcasts. If you've got a podcast page and you've done these podcasts, then people like Brian don't have to do a pre-interview. They can go and listen to two minutes of you because you have a, you, you in the first 30 seconds or two minutes know what kind of a guest they're going to be. Yes, very much. You so. don't need to listen to much longer than that. Right. Very much so. Yeah. Susan, this is great. Um, I, I'd love to talk to you longer, but you know, I'm going to let you go. Um, what, uh, where can folks find you? I know you gave the link earlier. I'll put in the show notes for uh -huh. the, uh, the, uh, the signature story, um, template, but anywhere else you'd encourage folks to say hello online and, and find you. So they can go to PRSecrets.com. I actually have a lot of different pages. I've got video trainings. I've got um, all kinds of special reports. So if that one doesn't appeal to you, you can go to just my blog page at PRSecrets.com forward slash blog. And there's lots of other like free reports and trainings. So you can get like a ton of training in there. And if you want to take a course, the Zen of Fame is available to you. And if you're interested in becoming a client, um, there's a consult page there. And um, Brian, and you know, I also just opened up something that I'm just thinking of. It's still a little, um, it's sort of, you know, I don't know, a glint in my eye that I'm going to do like a thought leadership training in a day. So if someone wants Ooh. to get that kind of training and just being really intensive, we can do it either via Zoom or in person here where, where I live. So I'm offering that because I think a lot of people really do want to become thought leaders and have a seven-step proprietary process that can move you through that really quickly if that's where you want to go, if that's where your ambition is. So that's something that I'm opening up as well. Awesome. Well, that's good. Well, it sounds like you got a lot going on with that. So, I do. So <laughs> keeps you busy. Well, Susan, again, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Yeah. And I, I really enjoyed this conversation. Me too. Thank you, Brian. Bye, everybody. Hey, everyone. And just one more quick thing before you head off on your day. If you're enjoying this podcast and are looking for other resources and tools to help you get started and move forward toward a happier and more fulfilling life, then I'd encourage you to head over to my website, brianondraco.com, and hit the subscribe button in the upper right corner. There you can find my newsletter and blog subscriptions, where I share insights and information around getting unstuck, perspective, mindset, relationships, habits, and much more. If you get a chance to sign up, I hope you enjoy. Thanks again for listening in and have a phenomenal day.